Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 72. Joining me is my little friend, Cinderin. How are you doing today, young man? I'm doing well. We're not going to do the whole episode with me having a squeaky voice because I'm tiny. But I wouldn't mind it, but I think you're correct in assuming that most people would not like that. Uh, <laughs> if you remember how triggered I get when you put on a voice when you're reading out announcements for like five seconds, imagine doing that a whole lot. What episode. do you mean triggered? You ask me, you beg me to do it every time. No, that is absolutely incorrect. Every single time. Uh, me and Slacks once did a fails of the week episode uh, in what was the accent? It's like the old timer accent. Oh, gracious me, oh my, gracious to see a good, an entire episode. And Slacks and I had so much fun. We were literally, people hated it. We were literally in tears. We were so happy with what we did. You know, a great product. And of course, once we put it up on the web, uh, people dumpstered it to oblivion. So me and Slacks have not had fun ever since. So that's what I thought. Gives you a little insight. So uh, before we get started with the episode, my opinion, I'm right. Yes, of course. Uh, Let's. Give thanks. <laughs> Let's give thanks to give our patrons. Thanks. Thank you so much to the following people, part of the In Bruges tier. Uh, I'll start it off, I guess. I can't actually mm-hmm. afford this. It's just a good opportunity to say Papega card. <laughs> Before we go any further, you're going to have to tell me what that means. What is Papega card? What it's, an, uh, it's an emote on Twitch with, do you know Papega? Yes. Yeah, it's that, but somebody that's swinging a credit card. It's like it's a GIF. Oh, I see. Very. Oh, good. you didn't. Thank cor- you. You didn't correct me when I said GIF. All right, because, you're on the good team. Yes, because GIF is correct. Good um, team. Thank you as well to everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Cinderin has no idea what that means. Ti it's in from, New Zealand. Uh, um, it's from uh, the Avatar: The Last Airbender. Wow. He googled that just now. Ti in New Zealand. <laughs> what? Zan Xavier, Suns fan Pudge Omega Lol. Thank you. I just know the quote. I didn't watch it. Nate Thicko 01 Ham Scrotes. <laughs> so so Every time that name gets me. Uh, bacon. No, not that bacon. The other bacon. A picture of Rajan Rondo pretending to be a newly born elephant. What in the fuck? Who is, who is Rajan Rondo? Is that He's, a. NBA player? Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. I hate him. I don't hate many people. Well, that's not true. I hate a lot of people, but he's one of them. Uh, Lick, Shark TM, Hoey988, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, Change Will Happen, and Poop Feast 420. And now it's Cinderin's turn. And we have Comrade Dimitri Valdizav. Mm. Who is that? You're actually Googling it. During the I was episode, just checking if it was a known character. I guess, I guess it's actually the name of the guy. It's a, it's not a known, uh, known person from anything. Okay. No That's, offense. Yeah. No offense. 
<laughs> Jesus. Uh, sorry, just interrupting the in-brew shout-outs to say Ben Broomhead sickens me. Back to it, Ben Jackson. Dop. Vidaloy Chosnik Garlic. Parenthesis, Team Broomhead. Fane, underscore man. Avatar The Last Airbender is genuinely Ben Broomhead's favorite show. A top-tier recommendation from Suns fan. Both of us rock. Pitch Black, Terry Tip, Wooden Aftertaste, Duntalk, The Coward, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous. And as always, Ronnie Keel to finish us off. Thank you guys so much for your inbrush tier contribution to the podcast. And of course, if you still haven't heard of this and you want to chip in and help out with the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash we say things. There's different tiers. I think the lowest one is, is it one buck? That's the lowest tier or is it two? I it might be two. Yeah. I don't know. You can chip in per month to support the podcast if you would like. Yes, thank so, you so thank much. Thank you guys for the big the big bucks. And after a week of no news, because I didn't feel like talking about it, I think, in fact, I can't remember. We have more NBA news, Cinderin. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not going to be very happy, and I'm going to keep it brief. Oh. Uh, the Miami Heat will be facing the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals. The Miami Heat were actually the fifth seed, so that's a bit of an upset. They're playing really well. And the Lakers, as always, are absolute pieces of shit, along with people that root for the Lakers. I don't I want to talk about this win. anymore. Uh, rooting for the Lakers is like rooting for techies. Okay? If you want to go down that road, that's your choice. I mean, you know? I, I think the way I think of techies people in Dota, that I think I could draw a parallel to me in basketball. I don't care about anyone else. I want everybody else to have a bad time as long as I have fun and get a little bit of joy out of it. So there you go. That's okay. Yeah. Let's go Lakers. Like a Lakers fan. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, so that's the NBA news for this week. Uh, the next week or two, they're going to just play. And I don't think we're going to talk about the NBA much until there's drama. So sorry to all the NBA fans out there and the people that have no idea what I'm talking about that love listening to me talk about the NBA. It's only sad news now. Okay. Unless the Heat win, which would be a Oof. huge upset. Oh, my Lord. Now, the storylines, I will say before we go to the next topic center, are very interesting because the Lakers, as you know, have my uh, have LeBron James. And LeBron James used to play for the Miami Heat. So there's oh. a lot of history. There's a lot of storylines. So he wins no matter what, is what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure they'll give him a ring. Uh, he's been on, like, every team, basically. So, all right. Hmm. Next thing, uh, the Suns fan recommend segment. I would like to recommend to everyone but Cinderin a show called Away on Netflix. Very, very good. It's If you've seen The Martian and you liked The Martian, it's very similar to that. It's about, uh, it has Hilary Swank as the main character. It's, I believe, 10 episodes for Swank? the first season. Swank. Yeah, she has a very odd, I mean, she won Best Actress a long time ago for Million Dollar Baby. Uh, Swank. Anywho, she's the main character. It's about a group of people that end up uh, traveling or trying to travel to mars and it's about their trip uh i just love this space shit it, i like the realistic space shit it uh, even if i mean it could be a little out there but once it gets to like extreme levels where it's just like star wars or star trek then i start to lose a little interest i prefer like the more realistic stuff so how do you, you decide like that, what's realistic if i could see when? it happening at some okay. point but i will give it a little leeway like interstellar is a top five movie for me 
I understand that certain parts of it are probably not even remotely possible, but it's wrapped in a very realistic shell for a novice like myself that doesn't know about this stuff, right? So honestly, we just found some sort of remotely living gas on Mercury. So I think the Wookiees are right around the corner. Okay, great. Uh, probably so, one of the worst. I'm not going to say anything bad about Star Wars, actually. Um, oh, it was on Venus. True. Caught takes a lot of <laughs> Great. Thanks for fake news, Cinderin. All right. Let's talk about some dotes. Uh, oh, I want to talk about some Pog. Uh, as you guys Ooh. know, we came out with Pog, and it was... I, I feel like I've talked about this before, but just in case. The first month or so, I think it was like three, four weeks, it was really successful in terms of the player base. We were really... I was beyond ecstatic with how popular it was and then as expected when the battle pass for ti came out the user base dropped dramatically which you know so we've kind of been in hibernation as it were waiting for the mm -hmm. battle pass to end uh so something that i want to announce here and we're going to make a video in this week as well uh version 2.0 will be coming out sometime next week it's going to include a new mode 4v4 chaos is what we're going to call it it's kind of like uh well it's going to be the middle lane has like this barrier and the creeps kind of separate out. So it's almost like having two lanes, but they end up converging again into a single lane. Uh, there's four guardians on the map. It's 4v4, like I said. There's couriers in the game. Fountain will regen for full. And we're gonna. this is the mode that we're going to be using or we're going to be introducing our custom heroes into the game. So 2.0 okay. will come with two custom heroes. The third hero, Cinderin, which I haven't <clears> even told <throat> you yet, won't be available right away, but he's... A cross between Chipper and Bombardier, and you will be one of the three voices for him. Oh, so congratulations that's good to, know. to you! Yes, thanks. How much does it pay? Uh, zero dollars. It's exposure, actually. Okay, uh, it pays yeah. a lot. I need that. I need that. <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing this up now is because we have a new plan, which uh, I'm really excited for. Uh, this Sunday is when I want to do this. We're going to make announcements this week. I want to start doing a Pog tournament for the community every two weeks basically so the first week playing for exposure they <laughs> I, i'm glad you said that there's no actual prize pool because we can't <laughs> afford anything but we will have some goodies i promise you that people that play pog will enjoy it they'll get a lot of cool cosmetics they'll get a lot of poggers to spend on stuff that they want um we're going to start alternating every two weeks and it's going to be the 3v3 to start as our test tournament and then every two weeks it's going to alternate so the next time it'll be the 4v4 and then back and forth so uh, that's the plan right now. Um, so yeah, excited about that. Should be good. And on to tournament news, Cinderman. Dota yes. Pit just finished. <clears throat> Congratulations to them. It feels like it was a super fast tournament. Like not comparing to Omega Law, but it, Omega Law was like a month, and this one felt like Omega Law, Omega League, Omega yeah. League. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Been uh, reading too much Twitch chat lately. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was. It was definitely shorter. Uh, I don't remember how many days this whole tournament lasted, but it wasn't. It wasn't very long. Um, just a few days, really. At least the. Yeah, I think it was just a few days. The whole thing was there. Yeah. Anyway, it was. It was quick. Um, in an absolute shocker, mm. Team Secret won the tournament in a 3-0 finals, putting them on, I believe, eight consecutive 3-0 finals. Eight. They did lose a game in the playoffs 
the first round, they beat VP Prodigy two to one, who they th- then faced again in the finals, and they went three zero, so they went five and one against them. That was their only loss. Impressive. Absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I'm saying it kind of sarcastically, right? Because we're just getting used to it by now, but it's kind of insane that they keep doing it. Um, and that yep. the teams aren't catching up. It's it's amazing. They are the true kings right now. And people are saying they don't have the international competition, and that's why there's no Chinese teams. There's no... Uh, oh, well, there's one American team they played against in one tournament recently. They played against EG, uh, I think. But Isn't that the only um, NA team? Uh that's a bit disrespectful to um, that other NA team. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. This is but... where the toxicity comes from. People like me <laughs> making fun of NA. <laughs> no. So I don't know if there's, honestly, if there was international competition, I think they would lose more games, but I don't know if they would have lost series yeah, I, still. I don't know I how so. good the Chinese scene is right now um, compared to Secret. They're just that good. But right we've now. talked about this before. It is a kind of it's a huge shame there's no TI. Like for yeah. secret's sake. That is like if they go on like TI's next year, let's say nothing changes mm-hmm. and they don't end up winning, it's gonna feel so bad for them knowing that they will like if it was about now, they would be in extreme advantage, I feel like. They would easily be the number yeah. one seed or whatever you want to call it going in, the front yep. runner. For sure. Um worth noting from this tournament as well, just to to finish off on this, uh, VP Prodigy got second. They're playing really well, and they gave Secret a true challenge. In I believe the first game was pretty close in the finals, and they kind of got run over. Uh, the duration of the games wasn't that long, but game one was relatively close, uh, and they also beat them in a game. They were the only team to beat them in a game in the first series they had in the quarterfinals. They actually won game one, and then they lost two games after, obviously. Um, Alliance got third, and then the new Navi that we talked about last week uh, got fourth. So pretty good start for them. Uh, it's one of the best results Navi has had lately, I think. With this, uh, the new roster they took in, Flight of Moon, I believe they were called before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Flight of Moon. So good stuff. Secret keeps owning. Um, as far as just following up on the Dota Pit stuff, this was the first tournament to introduce the like stricter restreaming rules that valve has allowed them to um don't think any major streamer watched the games right i i can't can't say major streamers yeah no and i i don't i wish i had in more information on who streamed it at all because i'd be really interested to know if anybody did it because we talked about this last week how it was the, the asks from dota pit as expected were extreme and mm-hmm. would have to be followed to the T, obviously, and it would just be very difficult in general to do. Yeah. Um, but something we can talk about, and the fact that there was no real drama from that, right? Other than the initial reaction to the mm-hmm. list of requirements, there we didn't really see any drama at all come of it. But if you want to compare some of the viewership, this is from escharts.com. Why have uh, you zoomed in on me? <laughs> well, why, Cinderin, you're not supposed to see that. This is really weird. Okay. Were you just going to keep it the whole episode? <laughs> no, of course not. Just uh, pay attention to what I'm saying and not what you look like. Don't be so okay. superficial about yourself. Okay. Uh, Yo, if you put me a little bit more to the left, it looks like my camera mount comes out of that whatever 
thingy is in the pink thingy. This is See what I mean? really enjoyable for... There we go. This is going to be very enjoyable for the audio listeners, of course. Uh, but the viewership this time around was a peak of 176,000 versus season two, which is the previous season of 244,000. So obviously a lot less. I mean, you can attribute this to so many different factors. I think this is extremely small sample size. So I don't think there's a point in really looking into it too much. Uh, but it is worth noting that it's substantially less. But again, I think Dota in general is just less popular that even versus three months ago is less popular yeah i think um i think there's also something to be said like looking at peak viewers is a little bit it's always a bit dodgy for me i think it's way better to look at average viewers and hours watched because peak viewers has so much to do with are you lucky to get a close grand finals that goes the whole way where people keep watching yeah. are the teams that make the grand finals very popular like this time it was vp prodigy if it was say alliance uh, for example, or Navi that have bigger fan bases, then the numbers would be higher on the grand finals than they were. Um, and then the total amount of hours watched depends on how many series go to the distance, right? Mm -hmm. If Secret stomps every game in 30 minutes, then you're not going to watch as many hours. The broadcast will be shorter. Uh, so really the only metric that I think is pretty accurate is average viewers. But again, that one is also largely contingent on how good are the series. Like, uh, the quality of teams, the duration of the series, how many 2-0s versus 2-1s you have. And from what I remember, let me just check this tournament. I think we had a lot of 2-0s. We had so many 2-0s. Oh, there were did actually you, more 2-1s than you, I thought. No, did wait, you I'm give the, the figure wrong. for average viewers? Uh, no, so average viewers was 94.5 thousand this season. And last mm -hmm. one, it was 119. So still definitely clearly lower, but by... It's a different percentage than 244k on the peak viewers, 276. Yeah, like true. it's less of a drop off, percentage based if you compare those numbers, uh, but definitely still a drop off. I don't know. Like uh, when the when these charts that we're looking at usually do it, they consider all viewers that watch the game, right? So including if personal streamers do it too, I would yes, imagine they it's everybody that watches everything. the game. So yeah. definitely expected the numbers to be lower um, because I don't think everybody that watches Bulldog or Gorg or whatever big stream that watches these games would just watch the tournament. They will just watch Bulldog and Gorg instead. So yes, there will be a drop-off on average viewers. But for the organizer, this makes no difference because all of these viewers are theirs. So this is the real, real quote-unquote viewers that watch the ads and the numbers that they would send to the sponsors anyway, right? Yeah. The sponsors don't care about those extra 20k that Bulldog or Bulldog. It's more, so I think overall, this based might on like what they pitch sponsors, comparable. it's a more accurate number, yes, than what previously would have been. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, I don't want to say it's faking, but you're like ballparking figures sometimes because you want to combine with literally yeah. everything that you can, but sometimes you don't have all the information that you need to be able to give accurate uh, analytics or whatever. So, yep, yeah, I guess all in all, my conclusion on this is that this is kind of expected outcome and i don't think it's worrisome in any way that the numbers are lower uh it just it means that less people are watching the game which is in a way bad obviously like it would be nice if more people watched it but for the overall health of the scene i think there's a lot of value in uh the organizer being able to sell the exclusivity and that's what you don't see in these stats is how much it's worth 
that they get to do this for their ability to run more tournaments. And let's say every tournament has 15% less viewers because it doesn't go in the private streams, but we get 30 or 40% more tournaments than, you know, there's more Dota overall to yeah. be run and watched and profited from. And the tournament organizers need to make money. I don't know who in Dota out of tournament organizers has genuinely profited. Except yeah, the yeah. ones that scammed the players and didn't pay out their price <laughs> and then ran well, off. They probably so profit. I don't want to extend this conversation any further than it needs to be, but I think a lot of people don't realize that Dota tournaments in a, like, in a vacuum are not profitable almost ever. So if you have companies like ESL, the reason they continue to do Dota tournaments is because they're part of a much bigger package. But I can almost guarantee you, if you just narrow it down to just their Dota stuff, it's in theory, a loss of money. Uh, but it's important to sponsors on some level being a part of this bigger package, right? Dota is never, yeah. like in these bigger like ESL-type tournaments, they're never like the flagship. I promise you. It's not even close. Uh, I think like ESL makes gonna... way more money with Counter-Strike. Yes. Counter-Strike has got to be the most profitable, I would assume, at least for Valve games. They've uh, had exclusivity for a while. They have higher viewership, and they have lower prize pools on average. So yep, it's... Or well, I don't know if they have lower price pools on average, depending on like if it if you compare it to the same magnitude of tournament, then they do. Well, in addition, any any viewer level. so it's not even a one to one. That's the crazy thing. When you talk about the viewers, like if mm -hmm. you compare a million whatever the figure, it doesn't matter. Let's say a hundred thousand viewers for CSGO uh yeah. versus a hundred thousand viewers for Dota, the hundred thousand for CSGO is so much more profitable and enticing to sponsors. The demographics are night and day not even remotely close so yeah. much better and that's so. because dota just to clarify that uh for those that are unaware that when you sell advertisements uh based on demographics uh some countries will sell at a much higher rate because their you know their infrastructure and everything is just less or more expensive they have a higher what's it called gdp um sure. so for example is GDP the right word? I mean, GDP is the amount of money a country makes, yeah, essentially. Good. Okay, that was the right thing then. That was what I was going for. So, for example, uh, a viewer from Russia or a viewer from, say, Southeast Asia, for example, depending on the country, there's a big difference. But let's say Russia or the Philippines is worth way less in advertising revenue than a viewer from the United States or from Germany or from Scandinavia. Uh, because our buying power is way larger, our ads cost more. Uh, and in Dota, the demographics is hugely CIS and hugely Philippines and Chinese. The Chinese don't watch Twitch, so you lose that entire segment, basically. Um, so there's just a lot of Dota's, like, a lot of Dota's economy comes from countries that don't pay very well in advertising revenue. And that obviously matters a lot to the organizers. In CSGO, there's a huge viewership in Western Europe and in America. Um, and they pay well, so... I, I haven't looked at the analytics for YouTube in a while because it's just depressing, but um, the obviously some of the countries you mentioned, what do you think the number one country, this might be old information now, what do you think the number one country is for a CPM? Which one is worth the most? Yes, worth the most per view. Any country you want, Sindarin. Norway? No. I'll give you one more guess. It's not in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, 
Singapore? Australia. Australia. Okay. I was actually was, crossed my mind. The difference was actually <clears throat> even between that and the US astronomically high, like literally like twice as I don't know if it's changed, but hmm. uh that that one was really surprising to me. Uh and very interesting. Okay. Next thing on the list is bot TI. This was bot TI three, I believe. And I'm gonna make a I'm gonna admit something, Cinderin. Mm -hmm. I have never watched Bot TI before. Never. I didn't like people would post about it. I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just never really cared. That's fine. Uh, I mean, fair. It's I, not I, for everybody. I didn't even no. I literally didn't even know what it was about. Like all oh. this time, I keep hearing about. It, I'm like, I have literally no idea what this means. Okay. So, so I, I went back and watched. Okay, go ahead. No, oh, you watched some. Okay, then never mind. Yes. Then I don't need to explain it. Oh, okay. I, I was going to explain it to you. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I have watched. So, Bot T, I, I think this is such a genius idea by BTS. This was such a cool concept. I don't know how season one and two went. I have no clue at all. Uh, but the reason I was intrigued is because they had Fire Toad work on this version, mm -hmm. uh, which is the guy that helps us with, with Pog. And I watched some of it, and it's, it's genius for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's really entertaining. Uh, you basically have these uh, bots that are programmed with whatever AI you want to put in, which Firetoad did his own AI for this, apparently. Uh, you have them go head-to-head -head on a custom map, which he made, which I don't think they did before. They essentially just run at each other. You do three matches, one at level 5, one at level 15, and one at level 30, and the items are based off of what the most popular items are for that level of that hero. And I think there's a couple items that are banned, like BKB or whatever. And the reason it's genius is because you have this tournament where all you pay for is the talent. You don't pay prize pool at all, which, again, in Dota, that is most... Like, if you're running a tournament, and I have experience with this firsthand, we've had experience with this firsthand, most mm -hmm. of the money that is made will go to the players, and zero of it goes to the players this time, which is a very interesting concept. Um, but yeah, really, really cool um if you want to know the results cinderin i'm guessing you do or do not know uh i mean we can mention them quickly i think we just mentioned the top four sure um so first place was tiny who won the finals against sand king and then third place went to undying and fourth place to pangolier i believe pangolier won season two actually um if i remember correctly so uh basically since it is bots i think uh I didn't watch that much of this season, to be honest, but from what I could tell, I think the programming of the bots was better than previous seasons. So if that's what Firetoad has primarily been doing, then he's definitely upgraded the capability of the bots to you know play in a meaningful way. By no means are they playing great, but they're playing better than before. Mm -hmm. um, so it's still, in these 5v5s, the bots aren't like planning a strategy or something like that, because that would be right, actually... very, very complicated. But they're casting their spells better. They're moving better. Um, they're using their items better, just individually as one bot. But mm -hmm. playing as a team is still something that's really challenging to program. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I was looking at the brackets, <clears throat> and Tiny in the grand finals beat Sand King two one. I looked back earlier in the tournament; they actually faced each other earlier, and it was also two one. Yeah. So I went to Fire Tone. I'm like. Does this mean that it's basically not predetermined, but obviously if it, if the AI is set up in the same way, it should be the same result every time? He's like, no, there's technically some variation, percentage of chance of things happening. Uh, for yeah. example, 
heroes casting something uh, instead of something else. Like they would choose between one or two spells if they're like level mm-hmm. five, for example. So there's a little bit of variation there, but it ends up being the same result for the two two or two one for that particular uh, matchup. But yeah, uh, I, this might be the only profitable Dota t- Dota two tournament <laughs> in the history. Very so, very genius, man. Very. Cool. I will uh, I will say from what I saw compared to the previous years of uh, Bot Ti, the viewership on this was clearly lower. But this time it was also a standalone event. The previous bot TIs happened in connection with the TI qualifiers, I believe. Mm. So obviously a huge amount of the viewership was retained and they used bot TI as a filler and as uh, like a continuation of the stream day. So um, yeah, it's not really fair to compare those. The fact that there are thousands of people consistently tuning in to watch bots go at it is already a success in my opinion. Um, Yeah. But obviously, the viewership for something like this is not as big as for Dota Pit. Um, really? People but yeah, I, I also think something humans? that you didn't mention that they did, which is really good about this, is I think what keeps a lot of the viewers interested and invested is that they have a they have a, set, a page where you can predict winners, and it's about getting the best possible bracket. Kind of like in the TI Battle Pass, when the brackets are released for the main event, and people try to predict as much as possible correctly um they have that with the heroes as well and people try to predict the whole tournament and then there's a leaderboard uh with top scorers being uh getting more uh attention during the broadcast so that's pretty cool yeah i thought that's uh so i've done that all the times as well i I am i am now a fan i'm a believer i i feel like i'm probably not the only one i mean i see we see a lot of reddit threads like giving praise and whatnot every year for Mm -hmm. this but there has to be a lot of people like me where they hear that bots are playing. It just doesn't sound interesting at all. But the way that they set it up is really entertaining. It's like really quick action. Um, it Honestly, like I said, quite genius. Very cool idea. And they executed really well. So kudos to BTS for that bad boy. Yep. Uh, next thing on the list, Cinderin. Yes. I wanted to talk about Dota Plus. Apparently, oh. we have been now, we have met the year anniversary of zero updates to Dota Plus. That is actually quite impressive if you if you think about it. Does that mean the word I would have used, but (laughs) yeah. Does that mean that they don't think God, what's the best what's the reason it's not updated? Is there enough value? Like a lot of people complain, so I know a lot of people don't think there's enough Mm -hmm. value. Will they be canceling their subscription? Are enough people canceling that it would make a difference? Or are enough are there even enough people subscribing that it makes any difference for Valve at all to begin with? You know what I mean? I'm trying to think are of the there... reason you wouldn't update this, because it feels like it's something that would be relatively easy to do. Are there enough people playing Dota that it's worth it for Valve compared to Steam? Well, and no, then nothing inside of that to Steam. Goodness. Huh? And then within that, it's Dota Plus. No, so genuinely, we can only speculate here, right? I would say for the last few months, I think it's understandable because you've been working on the Battle Pass. But why we did not get an update to this before the Battle Pass is the real question. Like, honestly, I'm not really going to complain much about the last three months. But, like... They announced that there was supposed to be a season reset after half a year or something. Never happened. I think that's a good thing personally, so I'm not one complaining about that. I think the recalibration is just stupid and a waste of time. 
and it just makes for a worse gameplay experience for a lot of players. Um, it's like when you recalibrate, you have a, imagine you had this in something, I don't know, what should we compare it to? Like chess, right? You, you have an ELO and then you play a small set of matches to recalibrate. You play 10 games. And if you win a lot of games, you gain a lot relative to if you wouldn't. And if you lose a lot, you lose a lot of extra points. But I think in a game like chess, it would make more sense because there's less variance. Because that's 1v1. It's way more deterministic in the sense of who you're playing against and what your actual win percentage chance is. In Dota, so many things can happen. Somebody can disconnect. Somebody can rage and break their items because they're just having a bad day in your team. And there's nothing you can do about it. And suddenly this game counts twice or three times as much in terms of MMR. And like, it's kind of, I feel like recalibration is actually gambling rather than a recalibration. Some people get lucky and some don't. And there's not like a direct connection between how much MMR you gain or lose and how well you play. Uh, some people are fortunate. Some people are unfortunate. And the fact of the matter is, if the recalibration is inaccurate, if you get lucky and win a lot of games or lose a lot of games, you're unlucky. The grind back up or down and the quality of games just declines for two months. Mm. And for what? In the end, people will end up the same place anyway. If you're playing a thousand games, it doesn't matter. So it just feels pointless. But some people are excited about it. I get that. It's like a chance of gaining a lot of MMR suddenly uh, or you know, losing a lot. Uh, it's like a you, fresh start, that stuff. right? It's more yeah, of a mindset. Yeah, but it's just it change. doesn't make sense within the system that we have, right? It doesn't make sense for an ELO system like this to have a reset. In my opinion, I just don't I don't see it being useful. Uh, but if it motivates people to play, that's a different story. Like if people play way more because they're like, oh, this recalibration, let's go play. Uh, then if it's a huge boon to the player base, then you know that's a sacrifice or a trade-off, I guess. That we I don't take. know if this is related, uh, but Valorant does a reset every two months very often. Mm -hmm. And I think it might be, the, out of any game that I've played, the worst ranked system I've ever seen. And people are complaining. Like, there's so many Smurfs. It's like, it makes me feel a little bit better, actually, about the way Dota does it. Uh, it's genuinely awful. Um, but in addition to all that, Cinder, and like just the mm -hmm. the actual value from purchasing Dota Plus, uh, I feel like the thing that kind of is just consistently there, which keeps a lot of people subscribed, is this level for your hero. Yeah, right. That unlocks the, hero the chat system. wheel or whatever. Like yeah. even for me, that I don't play as often as I used to. I the the only hero that I even have in the double digits probably is, well, maybe I have a couple, but the one that's highest is Pangolier at 18. Still trying to get that fucking... Level 25 seems impossible, especially when half your challenges are buying Yule's Scepter, which I'm never doing on Pangolier, for God's sake. But... Just do it in a game. No, I can't. Uh, it's oh, just, okay. It ruins my then whole game. it takes game. longer. It definitely takes longer. But I think if you... Do you think that's the main reason people try... keep it subscribed? If you actively try to do your quests every time they're there mm -hmm. and you succeed and you have a win rate of 50% or something, I think I want to say you need, was it two to 300 games on the That's hero? That's a lot. I don't even know if I played play that many games of Pango to begin with. Not sure. That's, that's it, it's a lot of games on one hero, for sure. So that is my opinion on why they haven't really updated because I think a lot of people, I could be wrong, I feel like a lot of people stay subscribed for that feature alone. 
But then there's like little things that they could easily add any time, which is cosmetic. Like I have a mm -hmm. quarter million shards. I'd never spend them because I don't want anything that's currently there. And if there's oh, yeah. so many sets that you can put in, and it just feels like it's it's super easy to do, just as that alone, just a quick cosmetic every month or so, you know. Uh, I, think I have no idea why they don't do the it. Shards, there's a bit of a problem in the way Valve has chosen to go about it because if the current value of stuff to buy, and I know you're not the only one, I know there's plenty of people that are just saving the shards because they're like the rewards aren't good enough. If you put in other rewards in the game that are suddenly really interesting and you want them to be expensive, how do you do it? Does that just inherently punish the people that bought the stuff that was there? for not hoarding for something good to come. They have no idea it's coming. Uh, I, I've kind of had the same... <laughs> I've had the same thing happen with my channel points, actually, so I can draw an analogy here. So on my Twitch channel points, I had no good rewards for a very long time. So my viewers had so many points that when I finally introduced some interesting rewards, I made them expensive, because if I didn't, they could be spammed forever, mm. right? Uh, you can moderate it in different ways, but I wanted people to be able to use the stuff. Um, so if you do it like this now, then basically all the people that took the quote unquote less good rewards, such as the hero shards or the item sets are indirectly getting punished because they don't have access to the cool stuff that the other people have. Um, so I don't know, like maybe it's a non-issue. Maybe you, you just buy like, shards. I can't remember. No, I don't think so. Do you think that would, your opinion would change if you could buy additional shards? Not really. Okay. Then it's just a that. financial investment, right? Like then, then you still made a bad decision, if you will. Uh, I think something you could do. Let's. This is what other systems of that type do: is if they made an overhaul and they introduced something really cool, they could give you like a refund. You could sell some of your other stuff at a hundred percent and be like, okay, the new stuff is mega cool. I want that over my cosmetics. I want it over my uh, hero shards and then when you sell them you lose everything connected with them you lose mm -hmm. all of the tracking that it's had so it's like you never had them before then you make that choice i think that would be fine to allow people to refund maybe not even at 100 percent. maybe at like a lower rate 75 because then then you still you could argue that you still had the value out of having them for the time that you did so then you could sell it off at a, at a loss but still you know feel like you could obtain the really cool stuff if that's it eh, that's i fine. don't that's not bad I don't know if they have that concern at all. Like, it's possible they literally have no ideas or haven't been working on it at all um, I mean, with the charts been, away from to use. But it's been a year. I, I don't think. But I would agree with you. The primary thing for me as well is definitely the heroes. The hero level progression system is the best part of Dota Plus. Actually, no, it's the second best part. The single best part is avoid player feature. That is the best. <laughs> that alone is, is really the... valuable. Is it the gets stacking more valuable the higher rating you are because the player pool gets smaller? I think in lower ratings it's less valuable because the chance that you play with the same players over and over is way lower. But in higher ratings, being able to avoid players actually has a lot of value for your mental sanity. The um, indicator for stacking creeps and like the damage differential stuff at the top left is that part of Dota Plus or is that the battle pass? I can't remember anymore. I think it's Dota Plus. I never use the damage stuff. I the, love the, the damage. Camp stuff. stacking when you hold alt, it's it's kind of nice, but at the same time, when you play the game enough, it's kind of just muscle memory, right? Yeah, but um, I think ninety five percent of people playing actually I like that. They actually use it. Like if they don't use it, they should, because a lot of people don't know mm -hmm. the timing. 
Not everybody's a pro sitting there. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying it's bad. I definitely think it's good. You I definitely said you hated it. The question is, <laughs> the question is, if it's something you like actively decide to purchase Dota Plus because of, right? It feels mm. like an extra thing that's there, but it's not one of the primary sales points that makes you buy it. I would imagine less than a percent of Dota Plus subscribers buy it for the stack timer, right? Like that's, I don't know. Would you pay for that? A subscription fee for the stack just timer? for that no it, as part of it yeah it no, adds, i think it adds yeah value. would it push you over the edge where you're like okay i'm buying it because that is there i don't know like if they took it away would just would anyone stop subscribing i don't know i would consider it i do like it quite a bit actually along with the damage thing um but anyway bottom line it should get an update we should get some cool stuff whether if it's something for shards we need to probably need a refunding system for people that have bought less cool stuff if it's equal in coolness to what we already have, they could just release some new sets. That already would be nice. Um, and then and apart from that, it's about coming up with new features, which can be challenging. Like, I understand if there's nothing cool you can come up with, then don't know. Okay. Don't know. We will see. I actually think they're going to be updating it soon. I would not be surprised. It yeah, gets I to a certain point where like, eh, I think they're probably going to do something with it, especially now that the battle pass is basically over. Yes. Um, no, so this one's pretty quick, but the fall 2020 call to arms sets, uh, the it was extended until yesterday. Technically, as of this recording, it was two and a half hours ago was the deadline. So all those sets mm -hmm. should be in. We're starting to see it trickle into Reddit. Natio has made us a beautiful Viper set center. I'm actually super excited about it, but I haven't made the video yet, so we can't talk about it. But next week, of course, as everyone gets excited, every this is why everyone watches the podcast, we will be talking about these sets and our favorite ones, Cinderin. Yeah. Because probably no news about Dota other than that. So we'll see. We will compare Natio's Viper set to the other Viper set that we both so truly <sighs> love with the face that not even Viper's mother could love. God help that us. That will be a good comparison. God help us all. Yeah. So... Moving on to other games, uh, this is not just Counter-Strike. I mean, it's specifically Counter-Strike, but it blends into Valorant and other FPS games that these guys are... We, we kind of talked about the, the bug mm -hmm. with the camera in Counter-Strike where you could see uh, everything essentially live. A lot of yeah. coaches were supposedly using this for a long time. Then there's been this huge investigation by an organization that I never heard of until now called the Esports Integrity Commission. Yeah, I think it's mainly CS that has that. Which is very cool. They've been doing this major investigation for quite a while now. Uh, apparently, they are at... Let me find it exactly. They've only gone through 20% of the replays so far. They've reviewed that. So there are a shit ton more to go. They said they're going to have more final say on this at the end of October. But so far, they came out with a statement where they will be banning for a certain period of time 37 coaches for using this spectator bug, ranging between 3.75 months to the maximum of three years. And there are a lot of people on this list, like we said, 37 of them. They apparently gave some concession allowances. So if you confess to prior, prior to the investigation announcement, 40% of your ban was reduced. If you accepted it in full, 25% ban reduced. Accepted partially, 12.5 percentage ban reduced. And if you assisted in the investigation, 20% reduced, which I don't know what that ends up coming down to. But um, 
actually, it does show the numbers. So just as an example, somebody that has a six-month ban here, apparently it was reduced by 40% because they did one of those or more than one of those concessions. So yeah. what are your thoughts on this is, again, 20% only reviewed. This has been a bug for quite a while, which... You know, you can have the conversation, why didn't Valve do something about this? Apparently, this has kind of been known secretly for a while. But pretty major news overall that trickles down to basically every FPS. The thing that blows my mind about this is if this is an old bug, right? Which it sounds like. It's been in the game for a couple of years, right? Yeah. You have 37 coaches and by extension, five players per team. So that is another 185 people. So over 200 people in some way connected with this. There's a chance that some of the coaches knew this and saw it and didn't tell their teammates. So in those cases, the five players are exempt from it. But, you know, you would probably imagine that word travels and they might know about it. Mm. How on earth can so many people <clears throat> see this in any capacity and it's not fixed earlier? Like, that's what is the mind-blowing thing here. Because... I genuinely don't believe that all of these 37 people abused this bug. I think some of them were in a server and it happened and they saw it and they were like, what the fuck? And then they stopped. That's like, for example, the testimony of Robin from, I think it's, is he from FaZe Clan, I think? Yeah. Um, and his teammates are backing him up and saying that's what happened. Like, well, I think and where do you match, draw the line? Is it if you so... watched one round or is it 15 rounds? I believe some of these are 100% guilty. Like there's some of them that clearly abused it and some mm -hmm. of them that I would say didn't. Uh, but it's just like, how does it reach this magnitude? How do so many people see this thing happening and it doesn't get reported and fixed? Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, it's, How's that even it's, mind, it's mind boggling. And obviously we're not going to be able to have all the information for another month at least. But talk, speaking of Robin from uh, FaZe Clan, uh, you talked about his testimony and how he's talking mm -hmm. about how it, he noticed the bug and he instantly left. And he's got a lot of testimony be between not only his team, but people outside the organization basically backing him up. He has a five and a half month ban, which might not seem that crazy. But you have to think of a it's couple of things. First time. of all, it's not, number one, it's your livelihood. Number two, uh, you're on this list. I think that is more impactful than anything. Like you could be banned for a year and it's less impactful than your name being attached to a list of quote-unquote cheaters, right? So yeah. obviously we can't speak for whether he did anything or not, but I'm sure there's a few cases, like you said, it's just mind-boggling that 37 people are involved. It's almost hard to believe. And I don't know whether to be skeptical of this or if they're maybe being too harsh about the the like what, co like what constitute as a, a ban and whatnot. It, I don't know, man. Like if this happened in Dota... That's what I was going to say. Jesus. Like, I'm imagining we had a bug like this in Dota. I just, I can't fathom that, let's say, 20 different pro teams experience this bug in some capacity and it doesn't get reported and fixed. Mm -hmm. This feels like the kind of thing in Dota that would get hot, fi hot fixed literally overnight yeah. if it got discovered at a tournament. Like, well, one thing, sorry, I just, just don't to, get it. I forgot it's about so one weird. detail about Robin um, from FaZe Clan. So his testimony, I didn't read too much into it, but Essentially, the gist of it is he saw the bug and instantly left, right? Uh, and everyone's backing up, like I said. And the, the match that this happened, FaZe Clan lost, was it 13 to 1 or whatever the score? 15, I forget. 15 they, to, they got crushed. 15 to 1. 16, 16 to, 1, to right? 1. They got absolutely crushed. So if he was doing it, he did a real shitty job. I think that's maybe <laughs> evidence enough I mean, that so, nothing uh, happened. 
right? That's what, that's what I mean. Like you're in there, the bug happens, you're there for one round, then you leave. Why do you get punished? Especially if, if your team got stomped in the game. Like, isn't there enough evidence there that he wasn't yeah. putting in any effort? Why does he get punished for five my, and a half months for that one game? My like, guess is know? that they wanted to come yeah. down hard so that this would have an impact on future generations right. of players not doing stuff like this. But having said that, I don't think they understand, like I said, the ramifications of your name just being attached to this list. That is huge. Now... It might not make a difference in the long run, especially if you're with an org that truly understands your value uh, and they understand the situation as transparently as we're kind of discussing now, if that's actually what happened. But on paper, that's really bad to be attached to this list and it can definitely end careers, like we said. I don't know. Part of me feels like there's something here that I don't understand uh, to explain how this didn't get fixed. Like, mm -hmm. I just, if I am right about in my understanding of what happened, it's actually just unbelievable. <laughs> I just, I, don't, I just really don't, I don't get it. Like, how can it take so long and get so far with all of these players? Like, it, from Robin's perspective, right? He gets this bug, he leaves. If he hasn't heard of anyone experiencing this bug ever, he might be like, okay, I have a weird bug that is unfair. I'm going to leave out of sportsmanship. That's great. Maybe he didn't tell anyone afterwards because he was just like, oh, this is a one-off really fucking weird bug. Let's hope that doesn't happen again so I can assist my team usually. Mm -hmm. Did that happen to all of the 37 independently? They never talked to each other and discovered that it happened to anybody else and nobody understood that it was a pattern. Like, I know I'm repeating myself here, but come on. Like, how is this? If you had to guess, okay, let me try to rephrase this. If you had to guess, how many of these people do you think genuinely abused this to gain a competitive advantage? If you had to guess. Without knowing them people. at all? Yeah. Yeah. Just like realistically speaking, Ooh, how God, this... how little credit would you give to these coaches in being good sportsmanship I, players? Like how feel, toxic is the scene? I feel like this is more of a phil philosophical question about the human race, syndrome and whether you yeah, <laughs> Because on one really? hand, yeah, like you and me, we I I think we both know what we would do in a situation. Even two of them. If even two of them weren't abusing it and reported but it. Having it, said it, that, I, and I'm not saying that this that they're all guilty, of course, there is so much money on the line in that scene in particular that yeah. we've seen people abuse stuff before in professional sports. The NBA did it back in the day with betting scandals. Same with uh, baseball. Basically, every sport has gone through some sort of drama with right. you know, match fixing or whatever the case may be. So I, I don't know. I don't want to give a number. <laughs> I would actually say maybe like eight to nine I would be expecting. But yeah, 37 seems a bit much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. If, if that many people abused it, then the question remains, how did the other 26 not report it and get it fixed? Yeah, I don't know. So that's, I mean, I was expecting, I've been seeing a lot of tweets and maybe there's more to it than just this yeah, bug that I, we're I seeing. Like there might be something we're not understanding. Like, well, not only from that aspect, but I've been seeing like a lot of tweets from the Valorant scene, CSGO scene about match fixing. I thought that was going to be related to this, but I don't know if there's any relation or if there's a separate investigation going on because everybody totally. was talking about match fixing. But mm -hmm. this bug is different than match fixing or maybe they combined. I don't know. We'll see. We'll know more information in a month. So, yeah, yeah, this will have ripple effects for sure across esports in general. Next thing on the list, Cinderin, Left for Dead 2 has just received a massive update for the first time in God knows how long. The update adds tons of new content to the game. New weapons, new maps, new enemy types, 
unused dialogue, and even a new campaign. Update is free to download for Left 4 Dead 2. It was created by, I believe, a third party, but backed by Valve, if I'm not mistaken. I have personally not played it, but it's really cool to see you know, certain groups of people trying to keep games. I mean, I think this was one... Like I remember Left 4 Dead 1 came out. It was, I wouldn't say it was a huge success, but it was really cool. Right? Everybody, it was one of those games that a lot of people played. And then I feel like Left 4 Dead 2 came out, and a lot of people, myself included, were kind of upset because it, it was more of an expansion, it felt like, instead of a sequel. It just felt like they're pumping right. them out more like a Battlefield-type game. And then they just never came out with anything else after that reception. Uh, did you play Left 4 Dead back in the day? No. I've never played this game, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like you would like... Do you play FPS games never, at I might, all? I might like it. I might like it. I've just never played it. It hasn't been a thing that my friends or... At least not to my knowledge, have really played. I haven't had any reason to really get the game. Um, so, just never tried it. Okay. Well, I would highly recommend it. And nobody's played it. It is a cool game to... It's not one of those games you're going to play for a long time, but... Uh, Playing with like a party of people, it's a lot of fun for a certain amount of time, I would say. So recommend people check that out. Uh, next thing, Cinderin, an organization named Dreamhaven has been announced. This is really interesting. Uh, this is, a, to me, one of the... I'll just preface this, Shannon, if you don't mind. Yes, please. This is one of my favorite news that I have read in gaming this year, I think. Yes. So. Go this ahead. does not fit in the calendar year of 2020. I'll just say that. No, it seems, it unless it turns out horribly, then yeah. <laughs> So Dreamhaven is a gaming company created by Blizzard's co-creator who left, I believe, two years ago. Mike uh, Morheim. Yes. And he's combined forces with his wife to fully fund this studio that will include a couple different gaming studios named Moonshot and Secret Door. There's not a whole lot of information. I'm just going to read, read a couple blurbs here, and then we can discuss the ramifications that this may or may not have. Uh, they have hired a number of mostly former Blizzard industry veterans to help run their studios, which will work on separate games. That's an ambitious step, as working on two games at once is a handful, but it's not without precedent. Uh, what makes Morheim's company unique so far is that they're self-funding it. In an interview with GamesBeat, Morheim said that he and his wife are funding the venture themselves because it's important to control the destiny of the company in its early stages. After spending 27 years turning Blizzard into one of the biggest companies in the game industry with more than 4,000 employees in the Blizzard division of Activision Blizzard, Morheim finally left at the end of 2018. So I wouldn't say it's a shot, but it kind of is a shot at the whole Activision merger, yeah. whatever the fuck happened with Blizzard. It just went downhill like we've talked about so many times, right? That whole wording to me has so much gravity, right? Yeah. He and his wife are funding the venture themselves because it's important to control the destiny of the company in its early stages. That's really a way of saying when, when people start buying shares and they start being separate stakeholders, you don't get to make the games the way that you want to. That's basically what I'm reading here. And the fact that he's employing many of his former colleagues from Blizzard that made games during the flat out just golden era of the company has me really hopeful that these people understand what made those games good. And it wasn't just by chance that they ended up making amazing titles, but that they actually know how to design systems, how to make engaging gameplay, and how to tell stories. Because I, honestly, I think I'm trying to think of something that Blizzard did not decline in 
in the last five years, I think the only thing that still holds up is their animation team. That's the one thing that I think is truly still yeah. brilliant is the ones that are making the like the the animated shorts or whatever you want to call it, the commercials for, for example, Diablo 4, the trailers. Their mm -hmm. teams doing that are insanely good. That's always been one of Blizzard's best aspects has been their amazing animation. Um, but their game systems, their communication, the quality of the games that they release, decisions that they make, all of it has just been going downhill. We've just talked general decisions. Yeah, we've talked about it on many episodes by now. If you're new to the podcast, we we like disliking Blizzard. I think the best decision that they've made in the last few years was WoW Classic, and it's basically them re-releasing an old game that was actually good. You know? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. it, it's it's not a good look when your best decision in five years is to release one of your old games. You know. Like a good decision should be to do something else. Well, the funny thing is they said old game, which they haven't really done. They re-released uh, Warcraft Three Reforged, and it was apparently a disaster. So they fucked that one up. So they got one out yeah, of two. I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it wasn't a hundred percent hit with the old releases. That 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 was the one they actually changed something in. See, in WoW Classic, they barely changed anything, and it has a huge player base still and a big following, and people like that game. Mm -hmm. And then in Warcraft 3, they tried to change things a bit. <laughs> it just got fucking nuked <laughs> because of the changes they made were bad. Like, Oh, Blizzard. Oh, How God, fun. man. I'm excited for this. I, I hope... So my personal hope, if they're working on two projects, I love MMOs, so I hope one of the games is an MMO, as I think they could do a really good job at that. And I hope that the other game is either RTS, but I don't know if that genre is really profitable enough and good enough anymore for them to make. If not something, uh, another RPG style game like Diablo, um, not MMO, just that kind of. I think. You know, I, I think one of the games is that it's at least one game is it's an RPG. I'll be very surprised if none of them are when we're talking Blizzard. Like I Diablo, agree. Thing amazing they're going to use I, one of those i highly doubt they'll do an, i mean again we have zero information on this i highly doubt they do an fps uh i mean yeah. one thing they could do one of the two games could be like this a crazy like we've seen hybrids before between like fps and freaking mobas or whatever like some garbage mix but they could maybe do a better job than everybody else because they're actually talented uh or but i agree mmo rpg those sound pretty likely but the sad thing about this cinder and the way that I'm understanding is this just got announced. I don't know if they've actually been working on anything, but even if they have, you probably won't see anything for years. Like what, if you for sure. if you start a game now, I, I would not be expecting if it's a AAA title, I would not expect anything for like four or five years. So the question is, how long have they been working on stuff? Yeah. Hard. To, it's it's hard to say. You know, they could have also been working on it for a while before they announced. Um, there's just information lacking, right? Yeah. We we don't know. It's also possible that uh, some of the people that they hired were already working on a project so that they're like halfway with a game and now they're just working under Dreamhaven. That might be a possibility too. Like, yep. We're just guessing here. Uh, even if it takes a couple of years, then hopefully the results... If they're old Blizzard quality, then that will be worth waiting for. Um, so, yeah. so we wish cool. them luck. I'm yes, I'm excited. Good luck, friends. Next on the list, Cinderin, huge news. Apparently, the Xbox One X sales went up 747% on Amazon because 
so many people thought it was the new Xbox, the Series X, but in fact, it was an Xbox One X. So absolutely fucking garbage naming system already hurting customers. What a shock. My, I, I wish somebody could have just sat down with him and just, did nobody see this coming, Cinder? Like, my goodness, I am beyond shocked that the naming convention sucks ass. Can you believe it? <laughs> You're in shock, it seems. <laughs> I guess this one isn't as good for the audio listeners. You can't see my face right now, but... <laughs> oh, my God. It's actually... It's so... It's actually super funny, right? Like, that's what it is. It's just fucking funny that... It's that crazy. Like, you could imagine mistakes happening, right? Like... Somebody buys it by mistake. They wanted the other Xbox and they bought this one. I mean, fair enough. How much did you say? 747%? Yep. To be fair, not a lot of people are probably buying Xbox One. Yeah, I mean, days, if but... it was one person and now it's 7.47 people, then it's not that <laughs> big of a deal. But... <laughs> oh my God. It's unreal. Oh, Un that is so real. funny. God. And you know what the funny thing about it is before we go on to the next topic? I guarantee you they spent thousands upon thousands of dollars in their marketing division coming up with this name. Like, is there any question about that? Do you think some random guy in their, like their head guy, whoever it is, like, let's just call it Xbox Series One. Or <laughs> see, even I just got it wrong. Xbox I'm Series X, whatever the fuck it's called. I'm I'm trying so what I'm trying to wrap my head around is how it's a good marketing move. Like what is good about it? Instead of calling it something fresh and different. Like let's say you called it the Xbox Nova or something, right? Scarlet Just something completely was the different. code name that we talked about that was really good. I love that code name. What was the na code name again? Scarlet. Yeah. Like what if you called it something like that? Something fresh, something different that makes it stand out from all the other consoles including its own predecessors? Like I just Maybe I'm just stupid when it comes to marketing here. I just don't see the benefits. At best, you create Center confusion. In. Like, is it supposed to be tied in with the other one so it feels like you're buying the next in a series? Like when you buy the iPhone 9 instead of the iPhone 8, then it's like, okay, I'm getting the new version. Couldn't you have called it the Xbox 2 then? Oh, but it's not... Or I mean, they. we talked about this I, before, I just, but I, I really... I love talking about this because it's just mind-boggling, but... I understand why they never went with the Xbox One, Two, Three, Four, Five. Okay, and because the reason it's like is like PlayStation. Well, no, it would be fine, but the problem is X, the original Xbox came out with PS2, so they would always be one version behind. Like, notice how Windows skipped from eight to ten. That's not by random accident. They're they're trying to like a lot of stupid people think that oh, this version's higher. I gotta get this one instead. Tell you what, right? So I understand why mm -hmm. they didn't go down that convention. But to go from Xbox to Xbox 360, which, again, you're standing in the same position right. as before, into Xbox One, into Xbox One... X, what is it called? Xbox Series X. Are you fucking kidding me? It's garbage. Holy shit. Somebody needs to get fired over that name. Terrible. It makes me angry talking about it. I don't it's know. It so doesn't stupid. make me angry. Maybe I need to work on my rage. Anywho, I mean, at the same time, it is a little bit angering because we could have worked there. That's they true. could pay us the money for this. I could come up with a better name than that in five minutes. 
imagine if, if news salary. came Maybe out that they longer. Imagine if news came out that they spent like a million, let's just say a million dollars on <laughs> marketing, which is very low for Xbox, I would assume. Yeah. And that's what they came up with. Facepalm right now. Uh, speaking of facepalms, Amazon has announced a cloud gaming service called Luna, which that's a cool name. Nice name. I mean, it's yeah. a Dota hero, obviously. So, What's the facepalm? Well, it's another cloud gaming service. Oh. <laughs> I mean, do we need more? Of I mean, everybody's jumping on this bandwagon. We saw Stadia do it. Microsoft's... See, Microsoft, the way that they're doing it, we talked about it, is really smart because they're integrating with yeah. everything now, right? And it's not about selling Xbox, whatever the fuck it's called anymore, Xbox sexes. Uh, but this Luna will work on Fire TV, Mac, Windows PC, Android, and iOS devices. They will offer a subscription to game channels, which will cost, I believe, $6 per month during the earlier stages. Some games that it'll include Resident Evil 7, Control, Panzer, Dragoon. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of people watching will never have heard of slash care about. But it's just another instance of a big, huge company jumping on this bandwidth. So is there more to it than we think? Google, they Microsoft, just... Amazon. And maybe more that I'm missing. I just I don't see how Amazon wins if their game catalog doesn't compare at all, right? Like, well, it, I think how, it's do, one how of... do you compete as a service here if you don't have the big games? Isn't that what people are going to get the service for? They're going to get it because they want to play the games, right? So, well, part yeah, I think that is a big part of it. But I also think maybe from their perspective, they have a lot of people that don't play games using Amazon, and this is something that just adds to their right. okay. list of yeah, things I that they offer. That. Like if you buy into the brand, basically, then... Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a loss for them. It it might very well be profitable. I just don't see it competing. I don't think it's going to win over the others, realistically, because of the game catalog. Yeah. But who knows? Like maybe, maybe if this service becomes popular, Amazon starts investing a lot more into either developing games or buying the rights for games. Um, so they are partnering from partnering with Ubisoft. Uh, oh, okay. So that's something for it, sure. It says Amazon is also partnering with Ubisoft to create a gaming channel specific to that publisher, so you can play games at 4K, apparently, like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Immortals, blah blah blah. Uh, it shows yeah. off their controller, which we're not going to show. Um, it just looks like a generic still. Just, yeah, it's whatever. Uh, they are integrating with Twitch apparently in some respects. So it says Luna also connects to another Amazon-owned service, Twitch. In a feature that sounds similar to Google Stadia's integration with YouTube, Luna users will be able to jump into games directly from Twitch streams. So another kind of connection. Right. They have will. that possibility because they have Twitch. So I think it's very smart of them to draw on Twitch and use that as a competitive advantage that they own that um yeah I again mean, we, we can understand on some how, level i just i the, every big company is buying into this cloud gaming and maybe it is the future but i promise you it's not anything right now right like if mm -hmm. this is a thing in three years i'll be shocked but maybe in right. five to ten years it could be literally all the games we play is cloud i mean maybe i don't know right. i mean i think I, at I, some I point guess steam a... or valve was trying to get into it i don't know if they're going to I mean, Steam Link is in the same realm, I suppose, but you're using that your own That might computer. be what these companies are doing. It's like it's insurance policy, right? It's like it's this new technology and this new idea 
if it goes big, you don't want to have missed out. And if it fails, then this is probably not like a huge investment for them compared to other stuff that they've run. Like I would imagine it's definitely expensive. I'm not saying it's just a freebie and a no-brainer to get into, but it's probably an opportunity cost kind of thing, right? You're kind of, you're covering your bases. Because if this turned out to get really big and you missed the wave, then you're missing the future of gaming, like you said. So maybe it's that I'm seeing some, some confusion in chat. So maybe there's some people that are watching that don't uh, realize Amazon owns Twitch. That yeah. happened five, how long ago was it? Five, six uh, years, maybe? Quite a few years ago. But yeah, uh, uh, something like for like a billion dollars, I think. Uh, okay. How much? Last, I thought it was a billion dollars. It's something like that, yeah. I think it was pretty. Maybe was I'm way up. off on that. But last thing on the list is kind of random, Cinderin, but we own Ring security cameras. I assume you don't because you don't live in America, but um, is that true? Is that a thing? Is that a normal thing, actually? Security I mean, cameras? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, for no, homes. It's, not, it's not a common thing for most homes, I would say, but okay. it, so, it's definitely a thing to have security cameras. Well, I, I know it's a thing, but I didn't know. How, like, it's very common. At least we're... Yeah, it's it's like, way less common here than it is in the States. Okay. I would say that. So Ring, which is one of the companies that does these security cameras, uh, apparently they're creating a drone that you put in your house that can fly around your house when something gets activated. What do you think about... It flies around your house and you can look at it, obviously, through your, you know, your phone or whatever to connect to it to see what the disturbance is. This is very interesting because we, we've seen like Amazon do kind of drone delivery service just on, I think it's more of a, in beta for certain locations. I've never personally seen it before. What do you think about in your home having a drone security camera? I don't know. I think it's fine until it gets a gun. <laughs> well, a little BB gun attached to it. Yeah, I mean, like this is drone flying around. <laughs> intruder alert and then it just unleashes you know I, like, i'm not i'm not sure what they're like what's the what's the um, what's the concern let's say that it's within your own home you just have a camera flying around it's kind of the same as just having i don't know a multi-camera setup inside that covers all angles now instead mm -hmm. you just have a moving one like what's the is there some sort of ethics thing here that i'm missing no no i i just thought yeah, it was really interesting because I've never seen a security camera, especially from a consumer base, work in this way at all. I never even thought about it. So I was just, you know, found it interesting. It's not an ethical thing at all. Right. No, I mean, moving cameras, if it if it makes it safer and makes it better, then by all means, right? It's. I think the whole drone technology has a lot of promise in general. And if it can use, be used to increase home safety, then that's great. Um, it's like having a Roomba, right? With a... a right. Well, it doesn't clean your house, but it watches shit. But the difference is, this is the interesting thing. If somebody breaks into your house and they see a Roomba, they're not going to give a shit. If they see this flying at them, what is their, <laughs> what is their reaction? Because the way that ring cameras usually work, and I assume it's the same, when it's activated, uh, like this really bright bulb will go off. Uh, what do they call those? I forget the name of them, like a spotlight cam or something. So it's supposed to dissuade intruders from going any further, right? I wanted to say intruder alert, like the boom bots in Nomrigan when it I, sees people. 
That's you said Boombot, I thought of Valorant. So I guess we're going to have that disconnection here. Valorant stole we'll Everything got stolen from WoW. Let's be real. Boombot Every was a WoW thing originally? I don't know. I don't even know what the enemy is called in the game. I don't remember what it's called. <clears throat> There's a handful of boomers that will appreciate that reference in the comments. So that's great. <laughs> um, no, handful. I mean, like... So the thing is, when it comes to all this drone technology and automated stuff, my concern is always with failure, right? Like the thing I said with a gun was like mostly in jest, right? But you could imagine somewhere down the line that in many years, they trust this detection system so much that they can arm it as some sort mm -hmm. of automated home safety. So people don't need to use firearms, but you can have a system do it. I'm always extremely skeptical when it comes to technology because I feel like the way you the overwhelming amount of proof you need to have that these systems are 100% safe when there's human lives involved, it needs to be overwhelmingly positive, just like with self-driving cars, right? Mm. Like, there's, when you think about how programming works in general and how you can work, like, we just think about video games, right? Something unexpected happens that the programmer didn't think about. The program itself doesn't, like, have on-the-spot fixing capabilities where it just solves the problem as it is, like, when it when it suddenly appears. If it has nothing to draw on, no experience, nothing similar, then it won't know what to do and it will just throw an error, right? If that happens with something like this where it's not a video game, but suddenly it's about human lives, then shit can get really fucking scary, right? So yeah. you always... Like, it's a slippery slope, Cinderella. It's a weird thing for me to maybe even think about, but when you think about these flying, like flying home protection drones, basically, it, it is a step that I think some people might have in mind and you just... Yeah. Well, I, I imagine some people are going to try to customize Like if it was me customizing it, uh, well, actually, I didn't look into it, but I don't know if the details are here, but like on a regular ring camera, you can remote in and talk, right? It has like a little speakerphone. Right. I would find that hilarious. This moving, this flying robot. You can just, leave. Excuse me. Home. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing in here? For God's sake. Like that would crack me. I, I would use that more to scare the shit out of Nikki than anything else, and that would give me great pleasure. That's probably worth the purchase by itself. You just fly the drone up behind her as she's playing, and then just make spooky sounds when she's playing a video game. Oh, oh that's so good. Clips. I'm sure about that. There's definitely... Yeah. There's going to be divorces over that. This <laughs> ring drone yeah. is going to... It's going to cause trouble. That's true. That that's yeah. another benefit, I guess you could. I mean, they probably shouldn't be together if there's shenanigans going on. But uh, so yeah, that's the the news of the week. Um, excited to see how far they go with uh, with those ring drones. Uh, into the Patreon mailbag we go, Cinderman. We got a question from RPT. Uh, would you like to see Ti run in a bubble like the NBA slash LOL finals are right now? What hurdles do you think are in the way of this happening? So I'll say, well, first of all, I would love to see it. I don't like you won't have fans, which I know a lot of people care a lot about. Yeah. And this is more of a, an opinion. It's not like there's a right answer here. Obviously, people would prefer to have fans there, but with the NBA, I didn't really miss them that much. Like I'd rather there be a season like we're seeing without fans than just having it canceled altogether. So having said that, I would love to have a TI bubble. Two problems. Number one, there's a lot of travel restrictions, right? It's yeah. very difficult to do, especially with Americans. And number two, Valve has to care, uh, like would have to do the brunt of the work 
to do this, which is, it's not like we've talked about how Valve should be doing more for certain segments of Dota. They should be talking, be more communicative. This is a huge undertaking if you were to do it, like enormous. You'd have to find tons of people from many different countries. You'd have to isolate them for X amount of time. You'd have to have testing constantly. Like the NBA literally tests every player every single day. And if they don't show up to like a fucking test, they get sent away essentially. Like you have to have very strict guidelines. So I don't think it's feasible. I don't think Valve will go to that extent, but it would be awesome to see personally. If you think about something like the NBA and how profitable and how huge that is, TI needs to do their work times five, right? To make it work. Because the NBA is country specific. It's one country. Yes, the the US is huge, but at least you don't have travel restrictions internationally in the same way. It's still within, it's domestic. The whole thing is mm-hmm. domestic. So I just think this undertaking for Valve would be kind of insane. If you ask me, honestly, I don't think it would be worth it. Like I think the amount of money, the amount of time, the amount of effort and everything that goes into this to make a worse TI is probably going to leave people disappointed in the end because this will be a worse TI. I think a huge part of that event is the crowd, just as it is for the NBA. But I think there's there's forces at play there. Like, because really, a huge part of TI is the crowd. Valve is the only stakeholder in this tournament. There's they don't owe to sponsors in the same way that the NBA does, where there's a lot of people that are looking to profit a lot, like TV networks and the other sponsors of the of the league. So Valve can kind of choose what they want to do. And yeah, if they had, let's say, if if Valve was on the stock market or they had multiple big sponsors invested in this or something like that, then maybe the perspective would be different. But I think in the current perspective, I just don't. I, mean, I don't that, see what that's an interesting point. Like you're talking about, they don't have stockholders, people to hold them quote unquote accountable. They can do whatever they want, which is a really good thing for them. But I actually think it's worse for the consumer because now there's no pressure to do anything. I think most people, I could be wrong. I think most people would agree with me in the fact that they would rather there be a TI in a bubble than literally no TI until next year. I think that's definitely preferable, but it is a huge undertaking. You can outsource some of that stuff. Perspective is, right? So if what ends up happening is that we just lose a TI flat out, like the TI from this year gets pushed to next year, and then the following TI is a year after again, then we just lost, quote unquote, lost a year. Uh, Then, yeah, I'm still like cautiously optimistic that we're going to get TIs with less than a year in between them. Or we're always going to be having this battle pass that has a year delay. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Like, what are they going to do? Are they always just going to be disconnected from each other? Uh, Or that Valve does another major tournament that isn't a TI, but somehow has a battle pass or something. Um, But if the alternative is that we just lose a tournament, then yeah, of course. Like, give us a TI that's great as the other ones but then at least we have it so now Um, i don't understand your position because the fact that they've delayed it a year they're saying it's not gonna be till next year we've lost the ti there's no way they're doing two ti's within like six like is that really another is that gonna feel like a ti if it's six months separated from the last one i don't think so i mean it's a one-time thing i don't think that would inherently be terrible to have you you could say the same thing about the bubble though right it's going to feel not as great, but I feel like a lot sure. of people are going to have lower expectations because they know the limitations. Like, every, like you could say on one hand, like in a normal situation, 
a lot of viewers would not understand like the the trouble that organizers would have putting on a tournament, like the intricacies that are involved. But considering literally everybody living on Earth understands that COVID is a thing, I think that in and of itself is actually a benefit in terms of the public perception. Right? I, I agree. I agree. Uh, again, th there's just it's all about what ends up happening, right? And we're guessing here. I think, I think the best thing that can happen here is we somehow have a vaccine or Corona gets enough under control in Q1 of next year so that TI can actually be run earlier than August. And then we have the next TI later in the same year that will make enough time for there to be a battle pass for the hype to be built up again and everything. And that is an, a true exception. But if we don't get that, if we just flat out miss out a year, then yeah, of course, it would be great to have the TI because there's a lot of prize money. There's a lot of fan expectations and excitement. But I think the fans understand that the tournament itself will just be way worse and therefore delaying it is good, but only if they end up getting the same amount in the end, right? It's like, <clears throat> if you're just delaying it because you're worried that it's going to devalue TI going forward, I don't really think that that's a concern that I share. Because like you said, people know what's going on, right? They know they can't expect the same thing. So I also think that <clears throat> one issue I have with having two TIs in the same year is <clears throat> that's not enough separation for teams to really, what's the right way to put this? Like the team that would be a top contender at this TI, if it was now, might not even be contention at all next year. But if it's within six months, there's a l much larger chance it's just going to be the same teams rehashed, right? Right. So I think the bubble... From a consumer standpoint alone, not looking at Valve's perspective at all, would be the best, in my opinion. But from Valve's, I don't think they have any reason to do it because they've already made the money on the battle pass. Like, there's actually no incentive. That's kind of the issue. So, I'm like, I think in this instance, like the NBA being beholden to the stockholders is a very good thing because they were pushed very hard because of huge TV deals to have a season. And it's turned out to be an enormous success. Like the games have actually been more entertaining. The storylines have been more entertaining than if there were in the regular season with the crowd. I think crowd, it is important, but I think you're overrating it, how important it is. I don't think it's like make or break a tournament, especially in these times. It, it's like, how to explain it? So if, if you compare TI to other Dota tournaments throughout the year, what is it that makes it? truly special it's the prize pool it's the amount of effort put into production mm -hmm. and it's the crowd right where no other dota tournament has the same like magnitude of crowd or crowd interaction or stuff but like you said like the majority of stuff you can actually do without a crowd it's only the crowd interaction that's gone you could technically do a similar level of production Although, you know, all the stuff out in public spaces will be trickier than usual, but you could probably do it. Uh, you could do all the player profiles, all of the interviews, uh, all of that stuff, but you will lose the crowd segment. So if we imagine that that was the only thing, let's say everything else was as easy as usual, but there's no crowd, I definitely think they should do it. But I think the complications here are, how do you organize it? How do you get everyone there? How do you get it tested? How do you make sure it's credible and works oh. properly and... To be fair. Uh, and I just don't I don't know if that's an undertaking that Valve feel comfortable with, right? You feel like you you have a lot of responsibility to these players' health and to everything and the integrity of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. That maybe you feel like it's too big of a risk to do anything because of how many different countries people are flying in from and how important I it think, is to these players, right? 
as difficult as it would be to do, I think Valve has more than enough resources to accomplish it. The problem, like I said, I'm just going to finish my thoughts here, is they have no incentive because it actually will cost them more money to do this. It's expensive to get tests constantly. It's expensive to... You'd have to rent out like an entire hotel, for example. Like you need to actually have a true bubble experience where people can't leave a certain area. Too. What's that? Entire. You lose an entire ti of tickets unless you think it's a null sum a nil sum that where doesn't the, the venue costs what it's worth in tickets that the tickets are nothing yeah i don't think that's anything that's chump change in the grand scheme of things All the secret shop money <laughs> yeah oh man i missed the secret shop are you, you remember being hyped for that jeez <laughs> louise okay well that brings this episode of we say things to an end cinder have you seen in bruges no all right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Until next week, Suns fan and Cinderin signing out. Good day. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.